This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm going to talk this morning about something that I believe will be life-changing for you. I just believe that the Holy Spirit can get me to a place where I can communicate it effectively. I can't do it all today. We'll start off today and carry on next week. I want to start talking about the Word. There's a lot of value in the Word. There's a lot of stuff I've got to see about the Word And it's very foundational to where we're going. Um, Why don't you open your Bibles to John chapter 8. Verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free today's message is important because I'm setting a platform for where I believe God is taking us and it's a platform that it's been very interesting for me to have a look at you know God works in our lives and the hard thing I'll give you an insight into being a pastor what's difficult is that you can only bring what you have but you never have complete insight And it's a difficult thing because the thing is you understand that there is a formidable responsibility in making sure that you deliver truth. And so you always want to be at that place. But God leads us and guides us into new arenas of understanding. And those are designed to make our lives more expansive and more intimate with him. Wherever you are today, you're going to be facing situations. And those situations are not always perfect. Has anybody got some imperfect situations in your life? Imperfect situations affect us in different ways. Sometimes we think our imperfections and those challenges in our life are purely limited to the financial challenges of our life or the physical challenges of our life. And those are very real. And I don't mean to marginalize those at all. But those are not the only challenges that we have. People struggle with emotional challenges, with depression. People with self-image and where I am and what I'm all about. And those are very consequential. But we also have spiritual challenges. You know, sometimes our spiritual challenge is apathy. God is as convenient as everyday living. I do things out of rote. I do things because they're comfortable. I do things because they're expected. It's not because I don't love God. It's not because I don't have an interest in God. The problem with it is I don't have the hunger to go somewhere deeper. Sometimes it's because I do have the hunger. There is something on the inside of me that wants to take me so that I want to realize a deep and more intimate relationship with him so that the fullness of everything that he's promised and everything that he said can be something that I walk into and so my life and my lifestyle becomes a living representation of who he is and what he's all about. I walk into an encounter and a a dimension of experience that I've never been in before. I'm looking for something. There is a dissatisfaction where I'm sitting saying, I'm looking for liberation from where I am. I understand it and I may be able to define it. Even if I'm just sitting here in in apathy, comfortable with where I am, I know that this is not where I should be and I want to move somewhere else. Where do you want to go? 
Where do you want to go? I'm going to tell you a few points that were quite eye-opening for me. And hopefully they'll be eye-opening for you. God is more committed to his word than he is to you. That's not bad. There are too many people who have ideas and concepts of what they think God needs to be. They want to meet God where they believe God should be. They want God to intervene the way that they think God should intervene. They are looking for God to come into their life in the context that they're looking for. And God is sitting saying, no. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, what? My word, I will worship your temple, blah, 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 loving kindness. I've magnified my word above my name. I've magnified my word above my name. You know what he's saying? Because he's magnified his word, what he's saying is this. That is what allows me to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because the word doesn't change. I don't wake up one day and all of a sudden God's in a bad mood. And so things don't work out the way that I thought they used to do. They, they should work out. I don't wake up one day and all of a sudden God is angry about something. I don't wake up one day and things are different to the way that they used to be yesterday. What builds into his life consistency is the fact that I'm committed to my word. What builds into his life the fact that he is same on a continuum is the fact that my word is always the same and I will magnify my word above my name. What he's saying is, I'm extending an invitation to you to change your life. And the offer that I'm extending to you is that you take your life and you build your life on my word. Because when you build your life on my word, what you will find is you'll no longer be double-minded. And you'll no longer be a person who vacillates to and fro. And you'll find yourself at a place where all of a sudden I'm able to sit and say, Father, I'm beginning to realize what it is to walk into your blessings, to walk into your provision, to walk into everything that you have available to me. Why? Because I'm making modifications and changes so that I step into a continuum that is defined by who he is. God isn't going to fix our broken lifestyle. God is inviting us to live from his lifestyle. God is inviting us to live from his paradigm. God's paradigm is going to be defined by the word. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word. The word of God is the written word and the living word. The written word is what you have and it's the Bible that you pick up and you get to read. That's the written word of God. He's not talking about the written word of God. What he's talking about is the living word of God. What he's saying is the living word of God is of the very substance of God Almighty. The living word is of the very substance of God. And as the very substance of God, what it contains within it is the divine energy of God. 
as a result of having the divine energy of God and being made of the substance that is of God, all things that were created were created of him. When Jesus walked the earth, the fullness of the living word was poured out in him. Jesus was the living word. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. What he's saying is, my word is to form the foundation of something that's going to define who you are. What he's saying is, when you understand that the living, that the word of God is to give definition to who you are, that the word of God is, give, is to give definition to the paradigm to you, that you are to live by, that the living word is to be, to be the thing that gives definition to the foundation of your life. What he's saying to you is this, the living word is Christ. He's saying Christ is to form the foundation of your life. It parallels what Jesus said when he said, I am in you and you are in me. Jesus is the living word. So when it talks about the fact that God is wanting to form a foundation of our life that's going to be defined by the word of God, what he's talking about is not the written word. He's talking about the living word. He's talking about the word of God that is of the very substance of who God is and carries within it the very divine energy of God. That is to define the foundation of who we are. What we want to do is, we very often like to take and we want to deliver God and we want to put him into our reality. And what God is saying is, I'm not here to be put into your reality. What I'm inviting you to do is to come from and live from my reality. You see, when you live from my reality, it's based on truth. Because the living word said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What Jesus is saying is, when you come and you base your life on truth, and you know that truth, it will set you free. What he's saying is the foundation that he's establishing in your life is something that's not going to only liberate you from anything that you find yourself in now, but it's something that's going to define what your future looks like. Because it's all about him. It's all about him. The substance of our foundation defines the nature and the magnitude of influence that we have. The substance of our foundation defines the nature and the magnitude of influence. As natural beings, we grow up in a natural world. And before we met God, we got very comfortable with the fact that that same principle works for us. So in a natural context, what ends up happening is, I'm learning and I'm continually in a place where I'm gathering understanding. As I'm gathering understanding and amassing knowledge, what I'm doing is I'm building up a knowledge database. As I build up my knowledge base, it allows and informs me to exercise my ability in certain arenas. So, I never knew how to make a cup of coffee one day. But you know what? There was a point in my life where I got to where I learned and I gained understanding about how to make coffee. It built up a knowledge base on the inside of me. As a result of that, I'm not lost. If you sit and say to me, can you make a cup of coffee? I have absolute certainty because I have the knowledge base on the inside of me to sit and say, yes, I know how to grind the beans, put the filter in, put the water in, set everything and make it happen. It's dependent on my ability. 
supernatural. If we're wanting to be supernatural people, it means that what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to tap into God. It means that we're wanting to redefine our life so that we don't only have a natural um, contribution to our lives, but we make ourselves available and accessible so we have a supernatural contribution to our lives. It changes everything. Because all of a sudden we find ourselves in a very different arena. We use words as a means of communication. God uses words to sow seeds. We use words because we want to take that and we want people to effectively understand who we are. We essentially use it as a means of communication. God sits and says, you know what? The words that I speak are spirit and life. John 6.63. What he's saying is, I understand the very nature of who I am. I am of the very substance of God. And carrying within me, I carry within me the divine energies of God. And so as a result of that, when I speak, everything that comes out of living word is spirit and life. It defines its nature and it it defines its capability. What it's saying is it is spiritual in nature. And so as it comes out, what ends up happening is it's designed to create. In the natural, we live by understanding and knowledge and ability. But because we're supernatural creatures, what God is sitting saying is, I want you to live by something differently. I want you to live by something which is called revelation. Which is coming to the place where the living word speaks spirit and life. And when I allow revelation, the Holy Spirit, to take that spirit and life. And I allow him to reveal it to me. What ends up happening is something that is of him. Something that is divine. Something that is supernatural. Something that is of the very substance of God takes root in my heart. It's just been put on the inside of me. What happens? Creation has just taken place. And it's given form in something we call faith. It's not of me, it's of him. And within that is the capacity and the capability to be able to bring about transformation because within the word is the divine energy of God. It's the supernatural power. It is the life that's in there. And every time you put life into circumstances and life into situations, it's going to germinate and bring about the very nature that's on the inside of it. What he's saying is this, God is wanting to do something inside of who we are. He's wanting to shift our paradigm. He's wanting to shift our life. He's wanting to elevate who we are so that he can take something of who he is and build a new foundation on the inside of us. And when that new foundation takes form, it's not because you did anything. It's because the Holy Spirit took spirit and life and he's doing something on the inside of you, creating a new reality that you can live from. In, 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 and blah blah enduring you with supernatural power so that when you live from that paradigm things happen things begin to happen what are you hoping for will you find yourself today what is your hope hope is important because hope begins to give definition to your future and where you're going. 
The problem is, if I don't have hope and I can't see my future, I live in my past. I spend my life focused on where I've been. The problem with so many people is that we spend our lives focused on where we've been, not on where we're going. The challenge with it is, what you focus on begins to define your reality. It is a spiritual principle. It's a principle that is fundamental and is a cornerstone to what worship is all about. Worship says what you focus on, you will become like. What you ascribe worth and value to is what you will become like. You see, the thing with it is, if you speak to people and you sit and say, you're spending your life focusing on where you've come from. You're spending your life talking about the problems. You're spending your life focusing on the history. You're spending your life focusing on all the issues. You know what you need to do? You need to understand that you're esteeming and placing value on worth on something which is dead. They'll disagree with you. You see, the barometer... Of where you place value and worth is not by what you say, it's where you spend your time. I will tell you I'm not doing it, but in the very next breath, I'll tell you how hard my life is and how terrible it is and how hard everything in the past is and how my life is so unfair and this is not right. And what am I doing? I'm going back and I'm esteeming the graveyard. I'm living amongst all the dead bones. You can't change your history. It's done. It's set in stone. Realize that. But just as much as you can't change your history, you can influence your future. The problem is, as long as I keep focusing on my past, I'm living on my past. As long as I keep focusing on where I've been, what I'm doing is I'm allowing that to inform my current reality. You want to know why people go in circles all the time? And it's not too long before I'm back at square one facing the same issue, just with a different complexion. Why? Because I've never looked at my future and where I'm going. I'm continually looking at the past and what it looks like. I allow it to define who I am. You see, what you focus on and what you spend time thinking about is another term for meditation. And what you meditate on, you're intimate with. And what you're intimate with is given access to, uh, to seed your heart. That's why Philippians 3.13 says, leaving those things which are behind and pressing forward towards those things which lie ahead. There comes a time in your life where you have to sit and say, I'm not living in the graveyard anymore. I'm not talking about what was dead. I'm not going back to those rotting old bones. I'm not talking about all of that stuff that used to happen. I'm not talking about that sad childhood. I'm not talking about my sad past. I'm not talking about things that were unfair. I'm letting that go. I'm leaving those things behind because I haven't got room for them in my life because I'm moving forward to a new reality and my new reality is going to be defined by what I focus on and I'm not focusing on where I was. I'm focusing on where I'm going. There comes a time in your life where we have to make a decision. And that decision is to sit and say, from this point on, this is not about celebrating where I've been and death. From this point, I'm not living in Halloween. 
from this point on, I'm making a decision that I'm moving forward with my life. And as I move forward with my life, I'm moving into something new. What are you moving into? What are you moving into? It's important because it has to define your vision. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of Marcus, nor stand in the way of sinners. What is he saying? Let go of where you've been. Stop listening to the voices. Stop listening to your emotions. Stop listening to your thoughts. Stop listening to everybody's opinion. Let go of it. But his delight, his delight is in the words of spirit and life that come from the living word. And on spirit and life, he meditates day and night. What are you meditating on? You're meditating on spirit and life. When you start meditating on spirit and life, the thing about spirit and life, it carries within it the potential and the capacity. It carries within it the capability to bring about transformation on the inside of you. You don't have to do it. It will do it by itself. What it's asking of you is meditate on it. What it's asking of you is come to the place where you esteem it. What it's asking is bring it to the place where you keep it in focus. What it's saying is bring it to the place where you come and you sit and say, I see and I recognize worth and value in that. And that's where I spend my time. Because I'm changing my life. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. What do you want your future to look like? Because God's just given you a formula. He's just said to you, if you want to redefine your life and you want to redefine your future, this is how you do it. The challenge that we have is that we feel stuck in places. And when I feel stuck in a place, the problem with it is I need something to get me out of here. That's why you can't drink and talk at the same time. <coughs> I need something to liberate me. Don't give me words. Don't give me rhetoric. Don't give me a rah-rah session. Don't give me a motivational pep talk. I need substance to get me somewhere. I need something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. What he's saying is this. When you come and you spend time with the living word and you listen to what the living word speaks, which is spirit and life, spirit and life is going to become activated on the inside of you. And as you spend your time meditating on spirit and life, it's starting to form a new foundation on the inside of you. And the foundation that's on the inside of you is going to be made of exactly the same matter that word was made out of. Word was in the beginning was the word, the very substance of God. That was imbued and put in and became part of what word is all about. And word, living word, when he walked the earth, was his name was Jesus Christ.
Christ. And when living word comes and when living word speaks to you, what he's going to do is he's going to take his substance, which is substance of the almighty. And he's going to use that to start to create a new foundation on the inside of you. It's not something that's of you. He's giving you substance that's of God. And he's sitting saying, that is all you will need to liberate you from where you are and to redefine your future. The substance that he's giving you is not something which is simply rhetoric and simply word. What he's giving you is something that's of the very nature of God. He's building something on the inside of you. And that something is called faith. It's a substance of him. And when I live from that, things happen. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. If you have a look at Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. So shall my words be that go forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, which is empty or without fruit, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing thing for which I sent it. There are a couple of things I want to point out from this verse. The one is this. When God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things happen. What he's saying is, I've given you my written word so that you can understand me. It gives us context about who God is. God's way of salvation. What God's design is. What God's plan is. How God loves us. It gives us understanding as to who he is. But the living word gives us an encounter. The living word is what gives us an encounter. What he's saying is, the words that come out of my mouth are the things that are going to give you an encounter, not the things you read in the book. It's not to say that the words words that you read in the book are not inspired by God. They always are and they are important. But what he's saying is, the power isn't in the word, the power is in what comes out of his mouth. It's not what's written, it's in the word. Why did he put it that way? He didn't say that the power was in everything that you read. He says every word that proceeds out of my mouth shall not return to me void. So it's important for us that we get to the place where we hear what God has to say. How do we hear God's voice? Because it's something deeper than reading the book. The book is important. And I don't ever want to take away from that. But the book is always going to lead you to the Christ. The Old Testament and the New Testament will always lead you to the Christ. Why? Because it's the experience, it's the encounter that he's let, they're leading you to. It's so that you come to that place where he speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, what comes out of his mouth shall not return to him void. How do I hear the voice of God? Well, if we know that what God's trying to establish in our life is a foundation that is defined of by his nature and who he is, we can use Romans 10.17, 
which is the other side of it, which says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So it's giving us an idea as to how we hear God's voice. <clears throat> the word hearing there is a word called, it's a koi. A-K-O-E, I think. A-K-O-E. And a koi means to have audience with. Or... To let fill your ears. What he's saying is this. A foundation that is defined. By the very substance of God. Comes when you have audience. With the living word. And through the Holy Spirit. What is spoken to you. Comes in. And affects your ears. And your hearing. The way that we hear him is when we develop that place of intimacy where we get to the point where we go and we spend time with him. Until we're at a place where we've developed that relationship and we have that intimacy, all we have available to us is the word of God. The word of God is always encouraging us and inviting us into encounter. It's always leading us to a place where we move to that realm where we have an experience and an encounter with the living word that's on the inside of us. That's why Matthew 4.4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What he's saying is, he's inviting you into relationship. He's inviting you to come and have an audience with him. Because what he's saying is, when the two of us come together, when the two of us are at a place where we can meet, where you're at a place where you've learned how to hear my voice, everything that you hear coming out of my voice, coming out of my mouth, will not return to me void. What he's saying is when you bring your circumstance and your situations and you sit and say, Father, I need audience with you. Holy Spirit, take me and let me spend time with the Christ on the inside of me. Take the things, Holy Spirit, of him and open the ears so that I can get to hear what he has to say. I need to hear his words because everything that he's saying into my life and into my circumstance, what he's doing is he's giving me a word that I can grab hold of and I can hold on to and I can sit and say, you know what? That is substance, not only for liberation, but for redefinition. It's not only something that's going to take me out of my circumstances and situations and move me to a new realm and a new area what it's designed to do is to recalibrate and reorganize what my future is going to look like Christianity is not a religion it's a relationship it's a relationship the challenge that we have is not to, to build up a knowledge base or our understanding because we're stepping back into the natural realm. God speaks about the fact that it's like, do not be conformed, but be transformed by renewing your mind. What is he sitting saying? I know that you're natural by inclination. I know where you are and I know what you normally want to do. And that's okay, it has its place. But if you're wanting to step into realms that you realize my full potential for who you are, I have to, I have to invite you into relationship. Because when when you come into a relationship, that's where you will hear my voice. And when you hear my voice, it begins to change who you are. And as you live from that place, it'll change your world. I'm giving you something that is of divine nature, that carries within it the divine energy to bring about change and transformation. Faith is the tool that God uses to change who we are and to change our world. Faith is not of me. Faith is of him. 
really something that's very nature is divine. It's important because when we have a look at that and we realize that anytime we begin to make decisions and we, we act on something which is divine, what we're doing is we're taking and living by faith. I'm living by something which is supernatural and I'm living in the expectation that what you told me is coming to pass because it has a confidence attached to it. And we'll finish this next week. The most wonderful thing about our relationship with God is something called grace. Because he designs, he initiates, and he fulfills. He does it all. What he's looking for is for us to be able to partner with him so that we understand how to do that. We understand what it is that he's doing. And so rather than resisting or working against him, we facilitate the move and the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we allow him to do all the things that he's wanting to do. One of our biggest learnings is how to partner with him. think that there is a big change coming well it's not coming I think there's a big change that's here and it's demanding things of us with regularity and we're coming face to face with choices and decisions that we have to make about our life and where we are and choices about where it is that we want to go in particular with God I don't know whether you've noticed But America used to be a very comfortable place for Christians. It's not very comfortable right now. It's not to mean that it's bad. But what it does mean is this. When we're comfortable, we can coast. And it doesn't really matter. But I think the days for coasting come to an end it's time for the church to stand up and have a voice it's time for the church to stand up and have influence please hear what I'm saying here it doesn't give us license to say any stupid thing and when I say stupid thing what I mean is this be really careful that when you speak from the perspective of a born again believer that you're speaking from kingdom values We are to be ambassadors of the kingdom. You know what defines an ambassador? His home country. It doesn't matter where you live. You can live any place on the globe. It makes no difference. There is an expectation. When you go into that land, you are representing where you came from. The body of Christ is to represent the kingdom of God. As kingdom citizens, our responsibility is first and foremost to the king. And when we step out of line, we put ourselves in a compromised place. It's not good. Because what we end up doing is we compromise 
the reputation of the kingdom. There is a great opportunity right now for the church to stand up and have influence, to build unity. To give direction. To paint a picture of a healthy, good, hopeful future. But there's opportunity as well for the church to be at a place where we can deliver. People don't want to hear what you have to say unless they know that there is something behind the words. We need to represent to the world a different way of living. The church should make the world jealous. If the church, if the if the the world is not jealous of the body, we're not where we should be. In serious times, there's always opportunity, but it will demand something of us. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your care and your understanding. I thank you for your patience with each one of us. I thank you that you just love each one of us beyond anything we could ever realize or understand. Father, I just want to thank you for the body of Christ in America today. This is one of those times, Holy Spirit, where we need a supernatural move from you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to move on the lives of every ambassador in this country right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will hound them until the place, till they come to a place of surrender. Let us never be comfortable in apathy. But I pray that you begin to stir up inside of them a hunger, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, for a future that you have said and spoken of where your glory shall cover the earth as the oceans cover the sea. We make ourselves available to you, Holy Spirit. Use us in our role and where we are to take who you are and what you're all about and to live from that. So we're at continually at a place where we're introducing you to our world. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we can rely on you. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for opportunity. We thank you for reinvention. We thank you for faith. We want to thank you for the living word that is alive on the inside of us, that burns on the inside of each one of us. We bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.